Hi, I'm May, and you're listening to Now What Now, a podcast about parents and carers figuring out how to act on climate while navigating their work and family life. This episode is in partnership with Australian Parents for Climate Action. Today we're talking to Claire. She works in social policy in Adelaide on Ghana land with her toddler and husband. She started a climate playgroup that's more than a playgroup. It's an easy way for the community to explore together what a good future life might look like. She's also had to go from feeling nervous about showing up to fronting up to the national media. She was surprised how she felt after taking this leap. Let's get into it. Here's Claire on realising the reality of the climate situation. I'm someone that's um, always had like a real connection to social justice and that's been really important for me, but I didn't see environmental causes as connected with that. I had a very segmented view. And then I had my son in 2019 and just across that year, I started getting these, these little worms that sort of got in my head and they started connecting up and really forming the view of how significant the climate crisis is. And I really, I sort of knew about climate change. I thought I understood what it was, but I, but I you know, sort of went through this realisation that I really had had sort of no idea. So when my son was sort of probably about six or seven months old, it was around the time of the climate strikes, those big 2019 climate strikes. And I went along in Adelaide just because it seemed like the right thing to do. And I just saw the sort of the teenagers and they were so like passionate and they were so like angry and it just like left and I thought, like, am I, am I missing some piece of information here? Like, this is, what is this? And, and there were a few other moments like that and it sort of all kind of came crashing down on me. And I went through a, a lot of grief at that time just about having had a child and bringing them into the world with, you know, sort of all your, all your hopes that you want for your kids and, I guess, grieving that the, the sort of way I'd imagine the future not being what we can expect. And it was a really painful time and um, where I just, yeah, really experienced a lot of grief. Can you talk a little bit about the people that were around you at the beginning? Yeah, I feel really fortunate that even though I went through this huge realisation about the scale of the problem and, you know, the complexity of it, um, that I had some people I really was able to draw on, um, in particular my husband and my older sister, and so I, and, and my and my parents as well. So that was a re, that was really important to me because I think I would have felt very alone. I I didn't have um, sort of close friendships at that time that where I was really aware of how they felt of, about climate change. It wasn't a topic of conversation. I also had some more difficult experiences, which I think will probably resonate with a lot of people when you feel like you're in a dual reality, your sort of realities become, oh, like this based on this scientific evidence of what we can expect for the future. And then a lot of people don't have that understanding and it's like you're living in a different world to other people, it can feel like. And so I did have some moments where I was very open about my grief, I think. I really, I just was sort of right in the thick of it and um, couldn't not sort of express it if that makes sense and um, I had some friends say oh maybe you need counselling and and it really put it on me feeling like it was more about not about the issue but about my ability to cope with it and um, I actually felt like I coped with it pretty well given what it was about if that makes sense Um, uh, but um, I found that difficult I found that a bit it was hard to feel like I, I could communicate with you know, people I really love, but um, 
just feeling that disconnect. Uh, and I think it was at a time I was very not confident about even talking about the issue, whereas now I'm a lot more grounded in what I know and what I believe and, and how I cope with that in my own way. So you never kind of fell into that thing of, oh, maybe I do need counselling and maybe, because it's so hard, isn't it, when there's this other reality that a lot of other people are living in. Yeah, I was very lucky that I, through my work at the time, I, I could access some counselling and because of the nature of the work I was doing. And so I, I actually did connect in with someone and luckily that person totally understood and she was able to support me in my work and in my responses to climate change. And that was very lucky, but very much in a way that was validating what I was feeling. And you went to the climate strike in Adelaide and you saw all these teenagers with their anxiety and their passion. Can you talk about what happened next? Yeah, so that was in September of um, 2019, I think. And uh, in November, my husband and I, we went on a trip away to Noosa and uh, the day we got there, we went and looked out at this, in this like national park, looking over at this headland that was on fire. And we were both just really like, wow, like this is November. This is pretty green place. Like it was sort of a bit shocking. And then we went back into Noosa and it was cup day and um, there were just people sort of walking around pretty rowdy after the Melbourne cup. And we were just like, this is the, there's a fire over there. Like, and it just felt sort of like very symbolic to us of what was happening in the world. And um, I think that night was just the moment I'd say of hitting the, the most, the strongest feeling, I guess, of grief and panic and, you know, just really rock bottom. And, and I posted on Facebook, which I wasn't very confident at that time of even talking publicly about climate change. I, I sort of saw it as this hugely politicized issue that how could I wade into it? But I just thought, I'm just going to put this post up. And I put a post up and I just sort of said, like, what can we do? Like, I just don't know what to do. And someone in my friendship network who I don't have a huge amount of contact with, but, you know, a lot of respect for, just wrote on it and said, join Parents for Climate Action. And for some reason, that was, of all the advice that came through, that was the one that sort of stuck with me. And so I looked them up. I'd not heard of Australian Parents for Climate Action at that point in time and looked them up and saw there was this little rally in front of Town Hall in Sydney. So when we got back, my husband and I and my son went along and I was pretty nervous, to be honest. Um, out of the comfort zone. Yeah, it was really out of the comfort zone. I, I've gone to big rallies in, you know, I've, I've, I have experienced going to the really big rallies, you know, when something hits that real critical point, but not the ones before that, you know. Yeah, I was really nervous going. I almost didn't go. But um, we went along and there was probably only 10 to 20 people there, very small, and everyone was really kind and chatted to us and uh, we left and, you know, we had a nice time and maybe could have stayed where it was. But um, one of the organisers, David, reached out to me on Facebook and said, oh, we're having a little organiser meeting. Would you like to come? And I actually said no. <laughs> like I said to my husband, oh, my gosh, like I'm so, I don't know really, you know, I, I felt like I don't know anything about all, all of this. How could I go to an organiser meeting? You know, like this is too much. Uh, but then I initially said to David, oh, like, thank you, but no thanks at the moment. And then I chatted to my husband and I said, we sort of said, like, we want to do something about this. And if someone's asked us to do something, how can we say no to that? And so we went over, David had people around at his house and had a little organiser meeting. And I guess just meeting people face to face and having that personal connection in that really drew me in and sort of stuck with Parents for Climate Action from there, really. Um, but, you know, 
just slow, just a slow build, I think. Yeah, I think that um, some of the small gatherings where you just actually meet people and it can just be the most casual chat, but the small gatherings can actually be so um, powerful, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think especially when you're new to it all and it all feels very scary, sometimes you just need some friendly faces that you're like, oh, these people care enough to rock up at town hall at 9am on a you know Thursday morning. So I'm not alone in this. That sort of personal connection and that community building is the thing that really draws me in. I'm, I'm sort of very motivated by people. So, you know, we didn't know anyone at all. And was very, very new to the sort of grassroots activism, you know, <laughs> like where you you do, you, you expect it to all be very big and very structured. And a lot of it is just those little events that can have five people there. And you started a play group in Adelaide. Yes. Can you just tell us how you got the idea and how you got started? So the, the play group, we, we really want to be a really child-centred place for climate action because I think especially with little kids it, it can be hard to go to set maybe some of the big rallies or some things that are more focused on older of, of teenagers or adults because what's talked about is a little bit too much for a little kid to take in and you do want to protect them from information that they can't can't handle that that's not right for them to hear at that time and so we we really just wanted to have a space where parents can come in and we can just talk about climate action and learn about it together but in a way that's for you know our little kids like from my son's three my sis, my niece is seven and you know probably 10 year old would be the oldest that we'd we'd get there but my sister and I we used to talk on the phone and we just like have all these ideas and uh, I'm quite good at organizing things and then my older sister Liz she's an art therapist play therapist a dancer so she's very creative and confident you know, getting up in front of people and facilitating and working with children and all, all of these things. And so I sort of became aware that there was a play group in Sydney in the inner West. And I really just like, I saw it and I thought, oh, what a lovely idea, you know, because for people who are sort of starting out, particularly in their climate journey, it's a very gentle way to come into it. Uh, like you said, the small group, low ask, you know, where you just like, there's nothing else required of me, but I just want to connect up with some other people. Um, and so we were sort of talking about it. We always had, we were like sort of just dreaming, but we don't live in the same city. If only we lived together in the same city. And so I moved to Adelaide in November last year. And so we just thought, well, let's, let's just do this. So we started it out. We had it in a playground, you know, it was all sort of cobbled together. Like we didn't set out with a big, you know, write out a plan and execute it. We did that. And then there was a little bit of a gap because of the state and federal elections, which sort of took up a lot of time and energy for lots of people. Then we sort of went for a second round, but we um, connected in with a local community garden, which is called the Goody Patch. And we asked them, oh, can we meet at the Goody Patch? And they said, yeah, of course you can. And said, you know, if you want, you can just pay and have a plot for the group. And that has just cemented the group from there. It's really given us a really nice way to connect. So we usually just have a little activity themed on climate action and then we just spend time pottering in the garden, which is actually hectic. <laughs> it's so chaotic. <laughs> the kids really take charge and you really have to put all the rules aside and go, okay, we're just sort of guiding this. Let's just see what happens. It's just amazing actually to watch the kids just get stuck in. And, you know, we had one day where lots of the kids went and got lettuces that were growing in the paths. 
and just chucking it in the plot in a really what felt like a very chaotic <laughs> sort of way of organizing it but it looks amazing now and I thought you could really learn from that you get as an adult you get a bit stuck in the rules you know what's the rules how far spaced out should the lettuces be so I just chuck them in and see <laughs> see what happens <laughs> that's lovely and it feels like you're taking that approach with the play group very much as well because I think a lot of people can get really intimidated thinking they need to know everything what it's going to look like and yeah. If they don't get lots of people at the beginning, it's not enough. Or, but I feel like the way you're approaching it is you use words like embedding and, and nourishing and, and that kind of thing. Can you talk a bit about just that approach? One thing we'd really like is just to build a local community of people that care about the environment or, or want to learn more. And we've actually sort of been a bit cautious because we, we want it to be able to grow. We don't want to start out with it getting sort of beyond what we can handle it's you know we, we do it in a volunteer capacity we don't have funding we do it with with other parents you know we have other parents for climate action parents coming along and supporting and helping us yeah we just want to grow it into something that is really seen as a part of the, our, our local community we also want to teach our kids and, and to sort of think about ourselves all the parts of taking climate action so not necessarily being you know I can I can be very literal at times you know you think it has to be about emissions reductions and it has to be about you know solar panels and you know actually thinking it's also about democracy so for example we've invited a local MP to our next one because we really want the kids to be able to meet that person and see who their local representative is who you know represents them as well as us and just see that we all need to participate to make it work things like that supporting people who are vulnerable in the community and making sure that they're at the centre of our thinking, we really want to bring all of that ethos in. So I guess all about climate justice, really, but in a way that's just very, like it, it can feel sometimes not enough. It feels like, you know, it, you think it's just having a play group enough, but, but, but I am a big believer in the ripple effects and that it's about bringing as many people into this movement as possible and about learning together. So that's exactly what, this, what, the play, what we're aiming to do with the playgroup. Can you talk a bit about what you've heard of other parents taking away from the playgroup? So I think we've met probably about six or seven times now and it's still it feels like we're still like emerging and finding our way through. At one of the early ones we had someone come and we did introductions said you know why are you here and she said I just I just want to learn I don't I don't know much about this and afterwards my sister and I said that was like the best moment like that's just exactly what we would have hoped to happen and what we will hope to bring in more is just people who just want to learn and want to learn with other people and knowing that we don't know everything you know <laughs> we're figuring out our way through too and most of us are and it's okay you know you, you don't have to be some expert on energy policy <laughs> to want to take climate action it's for everyone you know we'd love to support other people if they wanted to set up one it's um, a great idea locally just, yeah. even if you just find three people and you go and you just give it a go yourselves. It'll give you a feel for what you would get out of it or how you would want to, want to run it. We're sort of only now getting other plans for like how we would want to do things. But I think that sometimes when you start out, or I found when I started out in wanting to take climate action, you just want to go big and you want to go like as big as you can. And then you're sort of quite shocked because you, you do things that you think, you know, like you see how much that can take, like that takes networks and it takes cross movement work to sometimes make those big really visible change that it's okay that if you're just trying something and seeing if it does anything and sometimes you'll be surprised you just don't know what what impact you'll have and so I would just say give it a try and just 
try and feel your way through and don't expect perfection. Um, and then you were talking about the state and federal election and I know you ended up making a few media appearances that you didn't expect to make. Can you talk a bit about that time and how you got into it? Because I think you'd just gotten to Adelaide, hadn't you? Yeah, so I moved to Adelaide in November and Laura, who's one of the central organisers for Parents for Climate Action, has said, oh, I'll connect you in with the Adelaide group, which was just lovely because, you know, I haven't lived here for a really, really long time. So it, even just making new friends in the climate movement was like, oh, that would be really nice to just meet new people. And so I was able to connect in and they were really kind at just welcoming me into the group. It was a very intense few months. We felt a huge amount of anxiety and that feeling of this being a very pivotal moment for Australia and uh, really just wanting to do anything that you could to shift things towards a government that has ambitious climate goals. There were sort of two big events that I was involved in that ended up, uh, I ended up doing media appearances, which um, is not my forte <laughs> or, or, or I didn't think this was my forte at all. I, I, I don't love public speaking. But sort of how it came about was Parents for Climate Action, we were supporting a, a candidates forum that I actually wasn't hugely involved in the organising of, but, but a lot of the other um, people in the group were. And I could also see that some of the people in the Adelaide crew, were just they were just carrying so much on their shoulders. Like I could just see how much that they were doing. And one thing that really sort of struck me was someone wrote in the chat and said, oh, look, we've been invited to speak with a bunch of other climate organisations at an event. Does anyone, is anyone willing to speak? And I, I sort of thought, oh, I know I should offer, but I just hate public speaking. So I just, I just, I just, I said, I can come and support, but I'm just not confident. And another, another parent, AD, put her hand up and said, yeah, okay, I'll speak. I saw her at something and I said, oh, like, you know, how was that? You know, do you do, you do public speaking often? And she said, no, I, I, I don't like it. Like, it's not my thing. And she did about four other events that she spoke at after that. And I just thought, if she can do that, you know, if she can stand up and speak at an event, and then I could see other parents like Andrea, you know, she was just, I don't know, I don't know how she did it all. She was just, just kicking goals. And anyway, we hit this booth before him. And just before it, we heard that there was an opportunity for Parents for Climate Action to speak at a media appearance. And so the Greens were announcing that they were going to put solar our schools, which is Parents for Climate Action sort of policy ask, that they're embedding it in their policy platform. And there was an opportunity for Parents for Climate Action to come when they announced it and say, we want all parties to, to do the same. And um, everyone was so flat out with this booth before him, which I really was feeling a bit bad. I hadn't done heaps for and thinking, oh, do I have to offer for the media appearance now? And I said, oh, yeah, not quite my bag, but oh, like, like I, I, I maybe. And so they organised some media training for a couple of us. And, and during the media training, I was the only person there. There was only... Um, there was like two two of us there sort of who were the options and the other parent, Rosie, she wasn't in the electorate. And I was thinking, Rosie's not in the electorate. I'm in the electorate. <laughs> I think it's me. <laughs> and so um, I sort of came to terms with it. This was very quick. I think this was about 48 hours beforehand. And so the next day I sort of thought, I went straight to my husband. I said, I think I've got to do this. And um, I really was lucky. I had parents for climate action giving, they gave me two bouts of media training you know, a media training session, which was sort of an hour or so, just saying, like, here's what to think about. Here's what you here's what you need to know. And then did a bit of practice in front of the mirror. My husband was, like, laughing because he walked in the front door and I launched into my spiel as soon as he walked in practising it. And we went to the forum and 
yeah, I spoke to Channel 7. It wasn't an interview. It was just to camera, said my spiel. And I had Rosie there. Like she was, she was just my, she was just such a big supporter. She was there smoothing everything over for me. She'd go and say, I'm going to find, you know, the the news people here, I'm going to go chat to them, find out, you know, where they're going to do it, how they're going to do it. What do you need? She made me practice with her beforehand and like, um, just she, just knowing that she was doing all the other little bits so I could just focus on like what I needed to say. And I watched it back after and um, I spoke a lot better than I even thought I would do. It was really, uh, really validating. Um, so I didn't make the news for that media appearance, but that we got the clip of it, which was good. We had it on a social media and, you know, it was really good experience to do. And then we got to the end of that booth before and that was on a Sunday, I think. And we had a little climate picnic that we'd basically put in our diaries, say, oh, let's do a climate picnic for the Parents for Climate Action, National Week of Action. And we thought we'll just have a few, you know, Climate Action Now signs. We'll just be a bit visible, probably get 25 people. But Andrea, one of the other um, organisers, she had contacted Peter Coombe because he has a song that's sort of, you know, a kid's song about um, the environment and climate action. And he lives in Adelaide and just thought on the off chance he could come. And so I think on the Monday he got back to us and said, yeah, I can come, but, you know, let's like, let's make this big, like, let's get some impact, let's get some media there. And so we were thinking, oh my gosh, like this is, oh my gosh, can we even pull this event together? And we we had some very, fairly frantic, I think it was within, within a week, fairly frantic conversations, can we even do this? But we decided to go for it. We were like, let's just give it a go. If not you, then who? Like, let's, we've got Peter Coombe hopefully we can turn some people out and get that going and so ABC News and Channel 7 News were invited and we needed a media spokesperson and I thought well just done the training just done my spiel I think I can do it again (laughs) and so I ended up speaking to ABC News Uh, this time I was interviewed which was a little bit more nerve-wracking and I found out literally just before they interviewed me luckily not live but you know recorded that the federal environment minister was actually in the suburb that we were in that morning with the Liberal candidate and there'd been sort of a statement made into the news reporter about like climate action sort of important but not the most important thing for people here and and so I was not thinking I was speaking about that I thought I was speaking about a family-friendly event with Peter Coombe um, and solar our schools and so luckily I had a statistic in my head about the um, number of people in Boothby that are concerned about climate action and believe it's you know good economically and I was able to say that and we made the news and it ran as part of a story where with the two candidates, the Liberal and the Labor candidate responding about climate action and parents for climate action in the middle saying, actually, it's really important for our electorate. And yeah, it was really, um, I mean, I was, I was very tired <laughs> after it, but it was really amazing experience to see what, I think it was five or six of us key organisers and then bringing in our networks and other people in the climate network and to, to pull off this event, which went really well. And as one of the other parents said, we were there in Boothby on a day where we didn't even know that it was going to be discussed and we got to be there, you know, visible saying, no, actually, this is really important and uh, lots of people here care. Um, So, yeah, it was an amazing experience and very confidence building, I have to say, to do something that you just don't think that you just don't think you could do or you would want to do or you do well and to be able to do it go, oh. If I can do that, what other things could I do? Oh, that's amazing. You also mentioned wobbleboarding, which just sounds really funny. The thing that I think I got a little bit addicted to that, that we started doing as a group was wobbleboarding. 
So wobble boarding is just basically holding a sign up on the side of a road and trying to get people to beep um, is essentially my understanding of it. Well, that's my understanding. We just sort of had our climate action now signs and saying we'd hold signs up that says honk for climate action. And I think I did it about six or seven times and I loved it. It was like, I think it's like an extrovert's dream because it's, it's like getting Facebook likes in real time. <laughs> and it was actually very, it made me very hopeful because you think when you do those things, particularly I think when you're new to it and you don't know what to expect, you, what you expect is to get abused. Like you think someone's going to yell at me and tell me I'm a like a hippie or out of touch or whatever and I'm going to get abused. But actually that's very rare that I think I've ever had that experience. And mostly what you get is people who say like, good on you. We had like, you know, tradies yelling out their cars being like, yay, like it was just, and it was people all walks of life. So all the stereotypes of who you think would or wouldn't be supportive were just sort of out the window. I think one of my favorite ones was a bus full of school kids and they just went around the corner, like, you know, like really cheering for us. And I just thought, I'm so glad that you guys can see adults out here standing here doing this because it shouldn't just be our school strikers. You know, it, 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 it's our adults job to to be looking after our next generations. And it was just, yeah, I loved that moment. So yeah, wobble boarding, I loved it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was very fun. Can you talk a bit about how you juggle that family climate time? Yeah, it, it, it's tricky as um, I'm sure is an understatement for many parents. And, and I'm very lucky that, you know, my husband and I now work and in, in the way we're able to structure our family life, we are able to be flexible. And some of that is because we have the economic means to have that flexibility and a lot of people don't have that but that said even so that it is a hard juggle and one I struggle with and I mean one of the things I like about parents for climate action is that and that's why it's, it, I guess the group I've stuck with in some ways um, because I did test out you know a few different groups early on to see where where do I fit and what can I offer here and what feels right for me and what, what's my contribution but it, it does accommodate your parenting and that's really nice so you know all the meeting times are at times that knowing that you're trying to avoid dinner time and bedtime and any event is usually one you can bring your kids to or a meeting if you rock up at a meeting but you have to have your kids there like no one bats an eyelid so that's really nice but the, the thing I have found a bit of a juggle is also just getting to know my son's personality and trying to work with his personality and my personality and what I want to do with my climate action and what he wants to do because like I'm really I'm a people person and if I'm at a rally like I'm like oh this is so good you know all these people together and that's not my son he doesn't like big groups of people and I think the case in point for me on that was we had a little kids we called, sort of called it like a big voices little people and it, we did it on the day of the climate strike but we just thought oh for the parents who don't want to take their kids to the big strike we'll do a little one on parliament house steps in the morning and so it was all kid friendly it was all designed for kids and I luckily my husband was there because I was helping organize I was a bit distracted but um my son stood in the corner. He didn't want to go near anyone. There were like other kids were dancing and like having a great time. And then when we started doing the, you know, what do we want? Climate action. When do we want it now? He went, no climate action. And like, <laughs> he just hated it. So that's been a, that has been a challenge for me. And that has actually mean I, I have to draw on the support of my family sometimes, even when I'm going to kid-friendly events, because it's just, especially if I'm involved in the organizing is not going to work for him if I can't be available to sort of like do a lot of that facilitating and helping him ease him but I guess that juggle is something I find hard and trying to do right by everyone and uh, I feel like most of the time as I think most people will feel is you don't 
feel like you're doing anyone justice. <laughs> you feel like you're giving everyone a little bit of you and not enough. When you're pushing yourself outward into this outward activism space, I find that for me, my internal living my values stuff starts to drop. And so I, I do find that hard too, is that combination of trying to make these internal changes to the way that we live our lives to make sure that we're living in a way that feels right, but with this external strategic systems level advocacy. And I find that sometimes it makes you really feel like a sham when you're, you know, when you're coming back from your wobble boarding and getting fast food because you haven't had time to cook dinner. But I think that's, that's something that we're all going through and, you know, everyone's experiencing. And I try to tell myself not to feel too much shame because this, I do believe that the systems level approach can have a lot of impact whilst holding yourself to account. Yeah, absolutely. Life. Yeah, it's a real balance. We, you talked a lot about the grief when you first started out on your climate journey and I feel like you've really kind of wrestled with it. And I'm just wondering, like, do you still have grief now? I think I see it as living with grief now. It doesn't go away. That will always be there. It's not going to go away because the impacts that we're going to see and the, the issues coming from climate change aren't going to go away. There, there was a sort of motivation that came from being very grief-stricken. It's like a lightning rod. Like, you can't not act because that would be so painful. And then as that eases, it almost gets to this scary spot where you can sort of just slip into that. Like maybe I'll just enjoy my life, you know, like maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just pretend this isn't happening. But I think what I feel now is that I have a place to go, which I didn't have when I started. Like I, I know what I will do when I'm feeling it and the different sort of strategies I might put in place and that some of it might be activism and some of that might be more, connecting with nature or, or doing nurturing. I feel um, I'm glad that I know that next time, especially if there's events that happen particularly close to home or, or, or in places that I love, at least I have the people around me and the networks and the confidence and the knowledge to know that if that's a, mo if that's a point where people are mobilising, I'll be there with them. And that's nice. It's not so, it's not, the taking action part isn't scary for me anymore as much as every time you push yourself further to do something different like the media speaking is scary but being in the fray that's not scary to me anymore and, and it's a relief I'm so glad I have that to help me through and I'm a big believer in active hope and in trying to keep taking action no matter what you sort of think the outcome might be and trying to unhinge that idea of having a tangible outcome and just seeing what the ripple is that happens from it. Thanks for listening. If you're in Adelaide and would like to join Claire's Climate Playgroup, please check the show notes for links. If you'd like to get in touch about starting your own climate playgroup, take media spokesperson training, or if you'd like to connect with other families near you, check the show notes for links to Australian Parents for Climate Action. And subscribe to Now What Now to hear about future episodes. Now What Now is recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people and the Wandri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. 